Welcome to Restart Radio, a very different show about gadgets on Resonance 104.4 FM. This is a different show because unlike most, we do not focus on the new shiny, shiny things to buy. We focus on the value in the stuff we already have. The Restart Project aims for a shift of behavior towards a more sustainable and happier relationship with electronics. Our monthly community electronics repair events here in London are just the beginning. My name is Ugo Vallauri from the Restart Project, and I'm joined by my colleague and partner in crime, Janet Gunter. Hi. <laughs> Hi, Janet. Welcome back to the show. In this episode, we are taking a look, uh, looking at memories from the past and inspiration from current news at intergeneration repair, intergenerational repair. So how people from different ages approach the topic of repair, the different frustrations from young people and old people, and how different skill sets seem to combine in uh, the practice of the community pop-up repair events uh, that we run and we see other people running. And uh, this topic has been quite dear to us uh, from the beginning, seeing how people come together at times as a family, joining one of our uh, restart parties, or more recently, um, how kids specifically helped by volunteers that are potentially much older than them uh, really seem to thrive when trying to attempt a repair. So Janet has been leading on a series of activities in a, a academy, Archer Academy here in London. And last week you ran uh, a restart party there. Yeah, so uh, I've been working with a group of year 10s at Archer Academy. Um, it was an opt-in kind of enrichment type program. We've been basically thinking together about why we need to repair, learning about disassembly, the way things are made, learning about um, how to fault find and how to create a problem solve. Um, but we, you know, in the span of an hour, it's quite hard to actually kind of get some theory and get some hands-on practice. So the restart party, the open community repair event we hosted last week was that first opportunity for these year 10s to actually really uh, go into depth with different broken gadgets. Um, and also it's worth saying that we, had, you know, in the school sessions, we focus on battery powered gadgets for safety purposes and just simplicity. And in this in the session where we had our skilled community volunteers, we were able to look at some mains devices and other gadgets together. So that was really exciting for them. Um, and yeah, I think one of the one of some of the feedback we got was exactly like, it's cool to look at the stuff that we're familiar with. So we looked at in the school sessions during school, we looked at mobiles, um, game controllers, headphones, things that that are part of um, you know the students' everyday life, um, and they're very familiar with. But they actually wanted to get much more experience with a more diverse range of devices. So they were super excited to take apart a radio, you know, a hand blender, other things that they hadn't really been exposed to before so yeah and and i guess it's it goes both ways so students were very excited but we've also heard back from some of our volunteers who were really thrilled uh, about the opportunity to act a bit as a bridge in bringing certain skill sets back or forward to new generations um we had a specifically a really nice comment from restart volunteer andrew gabriel who said that it was very rewarding working with the students through the diagnosis and fixing using test meters and tools and even Ohm's law came in it too. Yeah, so it's really I mean, you know, so much of the teaching that happens is very theoretical and um you know, kids are taught theory and they're taught uh, kind of how to replicate that or how to, you know, feed it back, but 
rarely is it combined with such a hands-on experience, I would say, especially something that could be as rewarding as actually bringing a device back to life. So, And um, what I remember bringing uh, volt meter, test meters into the classroom, and they were, kids were immediately excited to you know, just learn some of the basic things about testing continuity, testing voltage, um, learning, how, learning a bit more about batteries, um, those kind of things. And, you know, it's funny because we take it for granted. Um, uh, you and I, we, I mean, the first mobiles we used had user replaceable batteries. Uh, you know, laptops used to be so much easier to upgrade and to change the batteries. If you're 16 years old now, you chances are you might never have been exposed to those kind of devices. So it's it's a novelty, and it's something that's really important that we remind um, young people that it wasn't always this way. Yeah. Right, and there's been you know a lot of common sense or very stereotypical views of of this issue that young people don't necessarily care, or that older people are much more experienced on the. Uh, more modular products, the radios and etc. as well, kids are more into the gadgets. And we take a kind of a, a different stance because we don't necessarily think that you can have this homogenous view for everyone. But we've collected over time some clips with uh, partly provocative and partly not uh, comments from volunteers and other people. And uh, we thought it would be worth it to, to share some of this. So we're going to start playing a clip uh, from Restart volunteer Alvin Hardy, who was recently interviewed uh, by Ash of Heal My Tech uh, for his YouTube channel, which is Heal My PC 99. And uh, we're going to play a small clip from uh, this interview. We stopped training apprentices probably in the 80s um, up to that time we used to train electronic apprentice radio tv engineer apprentices but that all stopped basic electronics would probably come under science and i would think they do that they they, they explain how electrons work and continuity electric flow that would be basic science you can't expect youngsters to be playing about with high voltage televisions, that's too dangerous. But there's nothing to stop them doing 9 volt battery radios, it's all the same sort of theory. Once you've got that basic electronics, you just apply it to whatever product you're repairing. The theory is exactly the same for a small radio as for a plasma TV. The electronics and theory is exactly the same. Um, my, my son is uh, into computers in a big way and he sets things up that I do even with my radio. Dad, you can get on the internet and do this. It's not the same. But it's a wonderful hobby and it's unfortunate. But the same with, with the British industry. It, we, we haven't got plumbers. We haven't got plasterers. We haven't got electricians. We haven't got them basic skills anymore. Everyone wants to go and do it with a PC and a computer. It doesn't work like that. So it doesn't work like that, is saying <laughs> Alvin at the end of this bit. So there is a tendency of thinking that, you know, you can get everything done uh, with a computer. And I guess with a computer and connecting to the Internet and Googling something. But I do find myself often in a situation where I feel, OK, there might be a tutorial here, but I feel like 
the basics. I don't have the basics. I, yeah. I really should learn from people like Alvin a lot more. Yeah, and I think um, the, the kind of the tradition of the radio hams and amateur radio um, really, it probably, it was... It was a very social way of kind of, of of teaching and learning, right? Of learning the basics, because you, in a sense, it was like, yeah, it was like before the internet. It was a way of interacting with other people, and you had to almost like build and maintain the tools you needed to do that. Um, whereas now we just, you know, we just go, we buy one off the shelf, or I mean, laptops are almost even disposable these days. They hardly have any cost you can get a you know you can you can get a cheap laptop and get get online um you know so easily so that the work doesn't go in and the learning doesn't go into actually connecting with others um one of the things alvin's clip reminded me of is just yeah like also the lack of um just generally that diy skills are fading out um there have been a couple of uh, there's a yearly uh, survey that's done by this insurance company that um, every year comes with some really funny fact about how helpless the generation coming up is. Uh, this one from 2012, uh, Aviva talked about the number of, uh, of, of young people who resort to toolbox mom and dad. <laughs> so basically calling in mom and dad to help with uh, building and assembling furniture, putting together uh, household appliances or, or, or uh, maintaining them, bleeding radiators, changing light bulbs, even changing light. 8% of young people admitted to asking mom and dad to come help them change light bulbs. So I, I don't know. what that, that may just be a bit of a caricature, but it does seem as though some of the skills related, the basic, basic skills um, are kind of are fading away, and that may be connected to even just changes in curriculum. Um, I know that design and technology is no longer a required subject uh, like it used to be at, at a later stage. And um, yeah, we, we, we noticed that people don't learn, younger people don't necessarily know how to change a plug, which is a skill obviously you can tell by my accent, we didn't, we, we have molded plugs where I grew up, but it seems like a life skill in the UK to be able to change a plug or to, to, to deal with the wiring on a plug. Um, so, and these are things that, that do seem to be fading away. And of course, that also links with the other argument that is that products are changing and uh, so they're no longer as repairable and uh, upgradable anymore. And so in a recent interview with it with Tim Hunkin, um, he had to say something uh, about that as well. The technology's got more solid state and harder to work on just for things like you know, surface mount was only sort of partially come in when we were making secret life machines so circuit boards were much easier to work on for instance but also people have changed at that time there were many more people who worked with their hands and wouldn't think twice about taking the cover off something and mending something that's less true now i think more people just think if something's gone wrong if you just go and buy another one and and kids can't use a pair of pliers they don't learn to use to use hand tools at, at school and I think that's a terrible shame yeah I remember having at school to to you know just lefty loosey righty tidy over <laughs> and over and over again and and seeing that there were some you know uh, 16 year olds who maybe had some familiarity with a screwdriver but quite limited and that was you know that was rather surprising although if I think back um I mean, I'm I'm struggling to to remember like you know when I would have I did when I was younger got invited into a work sh a wood shop and we you know we made things with wood and I think that actually was a very formative experience around age eight I think so that was the first time that I had really used tools of any sort um, 
but think in thinking of my teenage years, I, I mean, I did a little bit of uh, analog photography, um, but nothing that required such maybe dexterity or the proficiency with tools, as it were. Same. I have a memory of uh, creating a wooden elephant in elementary school, like having to carve it, carve it, yeah. and and just that's about it, you know, or creating a circuit uh, and understanding yes, that. Remember. But that's about it. Like, I personally <laughs> didn't have, like, this technical training. Yeah, yeah. And so a lot of it has really been happening in DIY mode, which seems to be how a lot of people are currently trying to um, find solutions to their problems. Or in some cases, as uh, one of the, the next uh, interviewers, uh, interviewees uh, explains, is also how they created a job for themselves as repairs. So uh, I have two clips here from son and father to uh, commercial repairs, Kyle and Mark. Uh, let's first play the one uh, from Kyle. How long have you been coming here? Uh, seven years. Wow, seven years. That's where I started my company. Was here. My dad's worked here since the beginning. Yeah. So I come here um, obviously when I was younger, so I know roughly the place. And then um, I started fixing Xboxes, Playstations, uh, which is what I specialise in. And then I just moved, gradually moved on with everything else, right. which was like phones, tablets and stuff like that. But you used to come here with your dad? Yeah, when I was younger, maybe five, six years old. So, yeah. And how long had he been coming here before that? He's been coming here for 16 years. 16? Yeah. Okay, so it's been around for a while. Yeah, it's been around for 22 years, I think, 21 years. It's like the longest standing computer fair. And does your dad have a separate repair business? Yeah, he owns PC First Aid Limited and I own Console Clinic Limited. Okay. So we are two different companies. Here was like a hobby yeah. and then that was when I then started because I was still in college at the time. So I was doing my business studies course and then once I passed that, um, I then opened up my own company, turned it into a limited company when I was 18 and then opened up my shop when I was 18. Wow. And obviously it's continued from there. People go to get information about how to repair stuff, do you think? Mainly it's online, that's yeah. what I think, uh, in this day and age it's online strictly. I mean places like Yellow Pages and newspapers, I don't think people use them anymore. Obviously they, there is the odd people, but I mean like probably maybe 50, 60 plus, but around like sort of between 15 and 30 is mainly online or, or TV and stuff along those lines. So uh, he is a perfect example of, in a sense, the YouTube generation. What I mean with that is someone who clearly learned from his father just going to the Stratford Computer Fair together, coming along and seeing a profession unfolding in front of his. But he created something that his father probably couldn't have imagined, like uh, based on new products that um, the consoles and just basically learning by doing and learning by watching videos. And so in a sense, creating backwards some of the skills, not really learning the trade uh, in any professional school uh, or something like that. And it's interesting how that seems to be the new way to, to learn for young people uh, often. Yeah, I mean, we meet a lot of people um, at Restart Parties who've been emboldened or empowered by YouTube. Um, uh, or some people who... We get people who actually realize that it's within the realm of possibility to fix something by watching, but that they actually would really like a helping hand or they're slightly a little bit more nervous than than the people on YouTube. And I think uh, Kyle's dad has a bit of a cautionary uh, message, doesn't he, for the people who might just want to DIY it. Yeah, uh, his interview was quite funny in that respect. Let me play it. 
you can do here you can do on the internet in the comfort of your own home mm, that seems to be the sort of trend in what people are saying sort of YouTube and now yep. people can do it do you find that a lot of people who come and bring you stuff have tried to repair things themselves yep and mucks it up really yeah and it's a lot harder work for the likes of a repair person to try and repair it because you've got to sort out what they've mucked up to start off with mm. before you can go on to the next stage do you ever try and like explain what they've done wrong to them when you're repairing yep. it yeah and it's normally just like wind bouncing off their head Really? <laughs> yeah, they just look at you with glassy eyes. Um, unless they're trained in doing electronics and that, they don't understand what you're saying. Yeah. Even if you put it in the most simplistic terms that you can. Sure. So you don't think there's any way to sort of explain what you're doing to it? You can, but you can only make it as simple as possible. And some people just don't get the grasp of what you're saying to them. That's it. Because they, they're looking at electricians or electronics engineers that can do that. And most people, even if they're good at soldering, can't solder as small as what some of the components are on the board. Mm. So they end up burning tracks off and stuff like that. Right. Uh, dislodging components, not finding them. Mm. So it's a whole manner of problems. You've got to go through circuit diagrams if you can get hold of them. Mm. So it's quite hard to repair what they've done before doing the repair that needs to. So, yes, I exactly feel that way. And often at events, I I tell people, don't you know, we tell people, don't try this at home. There's a reason if we're doing this collaboratively and trying to learn also well, what's not safe. And we don't really, we, um, we don't do surface mount soldering and that kind of fine component level repair at a community event. I mean, you'd be really, really lucky if you found someone who could do that and had the, had the tools on them. Plus, often yeah. you need a very clean environment and mm -hmm. uh, a lot of very meticulous work. Uh, yeah, so lots to learn from the different perspectives. You're listening to Restart Radio on Resonance 104.4 FM. And I'd like to take this opportunity to remind all of us that the Restart Project just recently turned five years old. Happy birthday, Janet. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm saying this because we are in the midst or towards the end of a fundraising campaign. If you feel like you're enjoying uh, the work we're doing on the radio and live at community repair events and online at theresearchproject.org, you can find multiple links to click and support our work. Thank you if you can. Or support us by coming along and sharing your repair adventures with us. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and one of the things I was really reflecting on um, in talking about all of this is um, I think it's hard to say that, you know, this generation is like this and that generation is like that. Um, but currently, I mean, whether we like it or not, Ugo, we're, we kind of represent like a middle generation. <laughs> I'm not going to say we're middle aged, but like we're we're kind of in a sandwich. Maybe um, I am. Yeah. I've got some nephews. You've got a son. And um, and we and we you know, we have uh, our parents generation as well. And um, I was thinking about how, in a sense, we're kind of a bridging generation. Like we, as I mentioned, when we started the show, uh, we still remember when things were repairable, when they were upgradable. We remember when we bought things for longevity. So, you know, as a child of the 80s, you know, do you remember when you bought a Sony Walkman, you bought it, you, you saved up quite a, I mean, you saved money, it was expensive. You bought it because you thought it would last, you know, and there was a real sense of, uh, it was worth buying things that lasted. And we, in a sense, we grew up with that. 
Um, and I, 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 I think that we have a really important role to play because we also, um, here we are, like a, like a lot of people, obsessed with our um, smartphones and all the things they can do and equally engrossed and obsessed with the Internet and connected things. Um, but we have a role, in a sense, to... to to tell what it, what life was like when um, when repair was was more about learning certain principles, learning about you know learning about the basics of electrics, um, you know learning fault finding and other things, um, and and you know the physical aspect of things lasting longer and being more durable. Um, I think you know when I look at my nephews, like I don't think that they necessarily think of electronics as things with parts, um, as as things with changeable batteries or replaceable anything, I think they think of them as this kind of sealed pieces, objects, um, as a whole. And I think we, we have a real role to play in kind of unpacking that in a way for them. Absolutely. And actually, I would add that having the older generation generation that comes to us and asks for advice because they can't really make sense of why things now aren't the way they were they they were supposed to be or either that or they're just struggling with some of the same horrible stuff we are like updates that have failed you know like you know we can sympathize we're suffering some of the same things they are but then you know you you try to to help and make sense but also you are reminded that you know the, the the issues we are confronted with are exactly real. So whenever my dad asks me, so why is it now that I have this super brand new smartphone, I have to continuously top up the battery and I'm not even using it that much. And I had a mobile phone whose battery lasts for five days. You know, he makes very valid points. And sometimes it's hard to actually give a logical explanation. It's a reminder that we've gone a certain direction, but we should as much as possible try to I wouldn't say fight back, but yes, also fight back. Yeah, well, my dad has um, seemingly outsourced a lot of the, uh, the... He's always been really one to call in help, like really pretty technical help to get people to help with stuff. Um, but part, but back in the day, it was to innovate, to try new things and, you know, around the house. Now it's just like he, he's got this company in the Philippines, which he really, really trusts, um, that does like remote support, tech support. So like some kind of Windows 10 thing fails. And I hear later from my dad about like literally almost two days spent with these techs who remotely help him to, to, to you know, to basically to save laptops. Because the thing is, when, when stuff goes wrong with a system or with configurations or with software, a, a perfectly, um, you know, usable and physically f- a perfect laptop will become, will be rendered useless for the user. Um so, you know, I think people are resorting to all kinds of um, of all kinds of methods, not necessarily even just asking the next generation, but just looking for new ways of finding help. And in, in that respect, I remember when we first met Tim Hankin, he made a very interesting point that, you know, in a sense, now products might be harder to repair in terms of how they're made. But there is a wealth of information out there mm-hmm. that helps to fight back and rebalance this issue. But often accessing that information is really complicated. So yeah. one of the solutions for the most recent problem that my dad is facing, which is no longer having any notification where receives receiving a message, there is a forum which potentially can help. Actually, sadly, it didn't help when I thought that I got the solution. But 
people do want to learn and, and be more independent, but often it's just hard. I, I notice people coming to our events. The older people tend to come with pen and paper and try to take notes as we explain the steps, particularly for software issues. But it's hard. And so there is, like, it seems that the industry, the computer and gadgets industry, seem to design everything for 18-year-olds who can sort everything out by Googling a couple of times. But there's a lot of people that are left behind who really don't want to be left behind. It's true. Um, I love there's this one of my favorite XKCD um, uh, cartoons is actually this really funny flow chart. And it's like something like this is this is how I provide tech support. And basically just a flow chart where it's like um, try something. Does it work? No. Google it. Do, do what Google tells you. Does it work? And it's just like a loop. But um, but it actually does take some skill sometimes to even just make sense of, of what there is on the Internet. So I wouldn't say necessarily that it's uh, just the 18-year-olds on those forums. I mean, we have a lot of volunteers who are... Um, who are our generation or older, who are super proficient in all this software kind of stuff, um, who contribute to these kind of forums. We have one retired um, information security uh, uh, expert um, who really definitely serves as a bridge as well. Um, so it's it's hard to say that, it, I mean, forums have been around as long as the internet's been around. Um, oh, and yeah. thank God for forums, but mm -hmm. at the same time, it's at times you need to consult them extensively before no, arriving to me. a good conclusion. I often, I mean, I, in what relates to Android, I often just throw up my hands. So I'm like on some developer forum and I'm like, I've been, I'm, I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> like I need an actual human to help me. Um, well, we, we had a couple other uh, quick uh, yes. t uh, tech stories we thought we'd discuss. Well, so... First of all, there's an announcement from our side. Uh, where are we going to talk about intergenerational repair and many other issues related to sustainability and fixing uh, the way we relate to tech and electronics? And it is in October. Tell us more, Janet. Yeah, we're, uh, we're taking a plunge and we're hosting an international event for community repair activists um, who, who work on technology primarily, but it'll include other kinds of activists. So we've got people coming from... Uh, well, Buenos Aires to Oslo for our Fix Fest, which will be from the 6th to the 8th of October. Um, we will we'll have more information about tickets and all the rest later on. But if you want to save those dates, if you're super into fixing, um, and hopefully we'll, we'll be able to live stream a lot of those talks and things that, and share with the world. So it's exciting. Uh, absolutely. And the other bit of news uh, we've been reading about uh, Ethereum and Bitcoin. What's going on with that, John? Well, I'm not up on all of these what they're called cryptocurrencies, but uh, these are all currencies that are uh, essentially uh, they're created online. They're, um, there's no center. There's, they're, they're, by design, they're decentralized uh, currencies that are basically run by a huge amount of computing power. Um, so Bitcoin was the first one. Um, Ethereum is, a, is another currency related to what they call the blockchain, this technology, um, which is basically very distributed, relying on lots of computers around the world and lots of computing power. And I was quite interested to see um, this past week I mean, I don't follow these things because I don't really have money to invest in cryptocurrencies. But um, <laughs> apparently, one of them took a spill. Uh, Ethereum currency took a took took a crash, had a crash. And what was really interesting to me is that um, I saw this headline: "Used GPUs flood the market as Ethereum's price crashes below $150." And GPUs are graphics processing units. They're essentially the they're the computing power behind um, these currencies. And it, 
it really struck me that not only have we not really thought about all of the um, energy that goes into producing these currencies and sustaining them, but also the embodied resources that go into all these computers that are then that are that are basically um, generating and trading currency. Um, this is a huge issue that's emerging. Um, a study back in 2014, I found, said that um, at the time the uh, the energy footprint of Bitcoin was about equivalent to the uh, yeah the energy consumption of a country like Ireland. Just the whole energy consumption. Like one one cryptocurrency, so it's something to something to track and something to look at, um, and we'll be paying much closer attention in future. And some of these topics are explored in our summer reader list reading list, and uh, we recommend uh, people interested check out uh, the restartproject.org for a list of recommended books that go in that direction. Yeah, and uh, we have a couple of community events we'd like to announce uh, for tomorrow. Um, uh, join us in Tooting for a restart party. We'll be helping you fix anything with a plug or battery from 6.30 to 9 on, um, on Tooting Upper Road. Um, I believe that's the last July event in London, but if you're listening from elsewhere, we'll be, there will be a restart parties in Aylesbury and Andover uh, later in July. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, you can find more information at theresearchproject.org or follow us on social media at Restart Project. Uh, thank you for listening. Bye. Bye. <laughs>